0: Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Big Mad True Crime, where we get big mad over true crime. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and today's case is out of Florida, and it is like nothing I have ever seen. This is a case where just when you think you figured it out, everything changes, and just when you think things can't get any more bizarre, the threshold breaks. It has more sinister twists and turns and outright batshit bonkery than you could ever imagine, so this will be part one of two, and you'll understand why in about a half an hour. With all that being said, small talk sucks, so let's dive in. Jolene Cummings was a 34-year-old newly single mother of three boys and in May of 2018 was still in the midst of finalizing her divorce. She and her ex-husband were doing everything they could to co-parent as well as possible and both had emotionally moved on from the marriage. Jolene had the kids during the week while their father spent time with them on the weekends. It's hard to narrow down the exact custody agreement, but the average every other weekend seems to fit into what I found. Becoming a single mother wasn't anything Jolene had planned on, but she was doing the damn thing. Like many moms, she was always rushing around from home to the babysitter to work and everything else the boys had going on, but she loved every minute of it. Coming home to her little boy mom household was the best part of her day every day which is why it was strange when on Sunday, May 13th, 2018, at the end of the boys' weekend with their dad, she didn't show up to their designated pickup spot to pick them up. They would swap the kids at a Winn-Dixie in Hilliard about a mile from her house. Her ex-husband told the Florida Times that there had been times where she'd taken off for the weekend before, but she'd always answered her phone. This time, when he tried getting in touch with her to see where she was, all he got was her voicemail. Not only was this out of character for Jolene, it was also Mother's Day and her birthday. There was no way she'd just skip town without telling anyone, for going spending Mother's Day and her own birthday without her sons. Something seemed off, so he called Jolene's mom. Her mom hadn't talked to her in the past week, but when she tried to call her, she too got her voicemail. Her mom and ex-husband hoped for the best and gave Jolene a little time to turn up, But by the next morning, when she didn't show up for work, Jolene Cummings was officially reported missing. This is not one of those cases where law enforcement waited around to see if someone would turn up or hesitated for even a second to use every single resource within their power. No, the Nassau County Sheriff's Office hit the ground running, and their first order of business was tracking down the last place she was seen. With Jolene nor her vehicle at her house, they went to her work. She'd been a cosmetologist for a salon called Tangles in Yuli, so they asked her co-workers when they'd last seen her. Everyone at the salon was on edge. Jolene had worked there for six years, and her coworkers and clients were like family to her. They knew in their hearts that she would never just abandon her kids. They were more than happy to help the police, and in doing their interviews, the consensus was that Jolene was last seen around 5 p.m. on Saturday after her shift ended. One coworker told News 4 Jax that she had been talking about her Mother's Day plans with her boys. After narrowing down the timeline to a 24-ish hour window, police set out to find Jolene's vehicle. It wasn't at the house and it wasn't at the salon, but if they could find it, maybe they could find her or at least get a better idea of where she might be. And frankly, it wasn't hard to find. Within a day, News 4 jax tweeted a photo of it parked awkwardly in a Home Depot parking lot just two and a half miles down the road from the salon. Home Depot has one hell of a surveillance system, so if she had parked it there, it should be easy enough to determine. And the same goes for anyone else who might have done it. While investigators got copies of the surveillance footage, her vehicle was towed away to be processed by evidence techs. At this point, everyone in Yulee, Florida, knew about Jolene's disappearance, and they were waiting on pins and needles for any updates. This is when all hell broke loose, and the who-done-it began. W-O-K-V started looking into any interactions Jolene might have recently had with police, and they found one. According to a police report, just five days prior to her disappearance, police had been called to her house after a neighbor heard screams and the sound of things breaking inside. It was a domestic disturbance with her recent ex-boyfriend, Jason. The neighbor told News 4 Jax that she'd heard them yelling before, but this time was different. That Jolene sounded more frantic and thought maybe it was because the boys were there. When she heard Jolene tell them to get into the room, she knew she had to call for help. According to that report, when deputies got there, she told them that her ex-boyfriend had asked to stay with her. And when she told him he couldn't, he got irate and started slamming things around and even broke some cabinets. They couldn't ask Jason his side of the story because he'd ran before deputies got there. He'd apparently already had a warrant out for his arrest. You can imagine that after that hit the news, all the side eyes were pointing at Jason. That side eye became more of a stare when the news broke that he had been arrested, but not for anything that had to do with Jolene. According to News 4 jax he was taken in on a probation violation that stemmed from a drug charge a year prior, along with possession of a controlled substance. He was held without bond and refused to answer any questions about Jolene, and the outlet reported that he actually demanded an attorney. This set a metric butt-ton of alarm bells throughout the community. People wondered what he was so afraid of if he didn't do anything. But just to play devil's advocate here, it is always smart to have an attorney with you during a police interview, regardless of whether or not you did it, especially when you have a record like his. It came as a shock to no one when the sheriff named him as a person of interest in Jolene's disappearance. But it did come as a shock when he said that Jason wasn't the only one they were looking at. If not Jason, then who? While all of this was going on, the sheriff's department got a tip. They wouldn't say what the tip was or where it came from, but it was credible enough for them to send a search team out to a wooded area between the Wind dixie where she was supposed to pick up the kids and her house. It seemed a little strange since all signs pointed to the 2.5 miles between the salon and that Home Depot, and the search was about 25 miles away from there, but a tip is a tip, and they were going to do whatever they could to find this mother of three and bring her back to her children. Unfortunately, the search came up empty. With no leads as to where exactly Jolene might be, the sheriff told News 4 Jax that there weren't any active searches going on for her at the moment. But that didn't mean that the investigation wasn't kicking ass and taking names. While investigators worked behind the scenes, Jolene's family made pleas to the public, hoping that their messages would hit the humanity button on the heart of whoever knew what happened to Jolene. First Coast News posted an audio message from one of her sons where he said, I miss and love my mom. I want her to come back home. If you know anything about where my mom is, call the sheriff's office, please. In an interview with the station, Jolene's mother said that she couldn't even remember the time of day and that her emotions range from being angry, calm and just numb. She said that her brain won't shut down and she can't sleep at night, wondering if Jolene was able to sleep. She said that she couldn't eat, not knowing if Jolene was able to eat. As this interview went on, the reporter brought up something that seemed to come out of left field. He asked about some screenshots that had been going around that looked like they were Facebook messages between Jolene and another woman. The cuss words are blacked out in the screenshots and there are some misspelled words, but I'm going to do my best here. One message to Jolene said, get a life, bitch. Now I'll come introduce myself to your ass. I'll meet you soon. The other message from the woman was a little bit hard to understand, but it ended with no one will realize you're missing, which are some pretty haunting words considering the circumstances now. Jolene's mom told the station that she'd only heard about the messages from the news and that she didn't know who the woman was and that she has no words. Is it possible that this mystery woman is that other person of interest? On May 19th, 2018, another tip came into Crime Stoppers, and once again, it was credible enough for the sheriff's department to send out a search team. This time, News 4 Jax reports that nine deputies on horseback searched another wooded area about a mile and a half long that again backed up to where she lived. That search didn't lead to anything, but later that day, another team was sent out to search an area about 10 miles southeast in the actual middle of nowhere. I'm talking woods as far as you can see and maybe one house every half a mile or so. Unfortunately, that search came up empty as well, and people started to wonder if someone was sending investigators on a wild goose chase. A few days passed with no real updates until May 21st. After a week without any signs of Jolene, investigators went back to where it all began. The hair salon, which had been closed since Jolene went missing. This time, they came with backup. Action News Jax took a photo of a CSI van that was parked out back. This wasn't just some follow-up or blind lead. They were looking for something. The sheriff's department spent the day processing the salon, and once again, the community was left waiting for answers. What did that CCTV from the Home Depot show? Did they find anything in Jolene's car? What were they looking for at the salon? It only took two days to get some kind of answer, and it was a grim one. On May 23rd, the sheriff announced that they have reason to believe that Jolene is no longer alive. Without a body, you have to wonder how they came to that conclusion. There was no indication that they'd found her body, so did they find evidence of fatal blood loss? And if they did, where did they find it? All signs pointed to the hair salon, and all those side eyes pointed at Jason had a new person to focus on. Investigators asked that anyone who'd seen a 43-year-old woman named Jennifer Seibert or her 2016 Kia Soul in the days prior to Jolene's disappearance to please contact them because she was now a suspect. I've said this before and I'll probably say it a million times, but the difference between a person of interest and a suspect is huge. A person of interest is anyone law enforcement is interested in speaking to or investigating in relation to a crime. But a suspect is someone they suspect is involved in it. It's a bold statement to make, and law enforcement doesn't make it unless they're pretty confident. And they were confident. This Jessica Siebert woman was the one who had dropped off Jolene's car at the Home Depot. After doing that, she walked to the back of the parking lot and into a gas station right by the road. According to a witness statement obtained by News 4 Jax, she then asked an employee if she could use his phone to call a cab to take her to a Planet Fitness about a half a mile away. She told him that she'd been out drinking with friends and that one of her friend's exes showed up and that it wasn't good. While she waited for the cab, she begged the employee to stay with her and then asked him if he was a born-again Christian, but then started telling him about the effects of meth on the body because she'd spent a lot of time researching it. When the cab driver showed up, he flat out asked her why her friends didn't just drop her off a half a mile down the road instead of the gas station, and she told him that they didn't have gas. Seems like that'd be the ideal place to get it since she was about to pay $20 to go somewhere within walking distance, but a fare is a fare, so he actually drove her down to a barbecue place right beside the salon. According to ABC News, Jennifer was actually taken into custody all the way back on May 16th after they found her living out of her car at a rest stop 70 miles south off of I-95. She was charged with auto theft for stealing Jolene's car, but also faced federal charges after they found a fake passport on her. They'd had their eyes set on her since the very beginning and made sure they had her in custody while they continued their investigation. If you're anything like me, at this point in the investigation, you're wondering who the hell is Jennifer Seibert? Well, Jennifer was another stylist at Tangle Salon, but according to Fox News, had only worked there for a month. The major issue here, though, is that Jennifer Seibert wasn't the actual Jennifer Seibert. The real Jennifer Seibert was a 13-year-old girl who died in a car accident overseas and was buried in Butler County, Pennsylvania in 1987. The fake Jennifer Seibert was actually Kimberly Kessler. Kimberly Kessler had gone missing from the same county in Pennsylvania 14 years prior. Her family hadn't officially reported her missing until eight years after they'd last seen her. Members of Web Sleuths were able to find a copy of Kimberly's missing persons flyer from back in the day that said she'd gone missing in 2004 under suspicious circumstances and also went by the name of Pamela Kleber. So that's three names at this point. While you digest all of that, I'm going to go ahead and sum up this true crime tornado for you. Kimberly Kessler, who had been missing for 14 years, stole the identity of a dead 13-year-old girl and was now in police custody in Florida after stealing the vehicle of Jolene Cummings, who was presumed dead. Kimberly was the employee who had told police that Jolene was last seen leaving work at 5 p.m. that Saturday evening. Now, I know we've talked about Kimberly's real name, Kimberly Kessler, and her two aliases, Pamela Kleber, as seen on her missing persons poster, and Jennifer Seibert, which she took off of a tombstone, but there were more, way more. At a press conference about this break in the case, police begged the public to come forward if they'd had any contact with her, and in order to do that, they had to release every alias in every city that she was known to have lived in. In order to convey the sheer difficulty of this investigation, I'm going to go through both lists. They found records of Kimberly having lived in Butler, Pennsylvania, Phoenix, Arizona, Virginia Beach, Virginia, Portsmouth, Virginia, Wilmington, North Carolina, Tampa, Florida, Tallahassee, Florida, Arden, North Carolina, Baytown, Texas, Rochester, Minnesota, Smithfield, North Carolina, St. Augustine, Florida, Fernandina Beach, Florida, Clearwater Beach, Florida, St. Petersburg, Florida, Little Rock, Arkansas, Oviedo, Florida, Boca Raton, Florida, Mission, Kansas, Overland Park, Kansas, Nashville, Tennessee, Leesburg, Florida, Jacksonville, Florida, Lakeland, Florida, Dublin, Ohio, St. Louis, Missouri, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Asheville, North Carolina, Vermont, Arden, North Carolina, Waco, Texas, Aurora, Colorado, and Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. On top of trying to track down where she was and what she was doing in all of those cities and states, they had to track her down using each of the following aliases. She went by Christina Melissa Brooke, Krista Brooks, Christina Young, Melissa McKernan, Melissa Losey, Pamela Kleber, Pamela Cleaver, Pamela Jean Cleaver, Pam Cleaver, Jennifer Marie Seibert, Jen Lee Seibert Allen, Jennifer Marie Allen, Jen Seaver Allen, Jennifer Sebring, Marie Seibert Stone, and Mia Stone. In my unprofessional opinion, it looks like a lot of her aliases came from getting the original one wrong and then rolling with it, aside from one where it just looks like she saw a car she liked and was like, that's the one, you're going to be my new name. As a side note, no, you're not the only one wondering if she was a serial killer. An article came out about a source telling an outlet that the FBI contacted them and said that they were investigating her to see if she was one, but I couldn't verify the validity of that source, so I'm not including that whole shebang. You can see now why there was a press conference for this. They wanted people in every city and every state to see her face and know her names, and it worked. People started coming out of the woodwork who'd known her throughout her travels as the disappearing woman, and hot damn, it got so fucking weird. A woman who knew her when she was little, you know, with her OG identity of Kimberly Kessler, told Action Jack's News that she was a nice kid, but had a violent streak when it came to her brother, saying that one time Kimberly told her that she wanted to kill him with a baseball bat, to which this person told her, Kimberly, you can't do that. You cannot make this shit up. And I literally struggled over when to say you can't make this shit up because let's keep going. An ex-boyfriend from back in 2004 told Bridget Matter of Action Jack's News that Kimberly would go into fits of rage that were so bad that she would fall onto the floor and rock back and forth in the fetal position. He said that she couldn't hold down a job and had 11 of them in one year and that he'd actually moved 500 miles away just to get away from her and is still looking over his shoulder. Next on the list of people who knew her were the instructors and students from the school that she got her cosmetology license from in 2014. Initial reports came out from First Coast News that the instructor said that she was strange, but that doesn't even begin to cover it. One student said that she would drink mouthwash and that they would find her hiding in cabinets. When they asked her what she was doing, she would say that she was just seeing if she could fit. Keep in mind, this woman was close to her 40s at this point. Another student told the outlet that she had come to school with a sunburn one day and that Kimberly asked if she could keep some of the skin that was peeling off. I tried to think of why in the born identity fuck this woman would want to keep someone's skin and I got caught between collecting, eating, and planting. So now I'm sitting here worrying about protecting my sunburns at all costs. The most recent account of Kimberly's employment fuckery came from that barbecue place right beside the hair salon the same one that the cab driver had dropped her off at after she ditched Jolene's car at the Home Depot. The owner of the barbecue place told Action Jack's News that Kimberly had only worked there for a week and he was still unfortunate enough to watch her eat an entire pound of beef using only her hands and that she quit after getting into an argument with a co-worker about sliced lemons. Jolene's family and the community surrounding Yuli was processing an immeasurable amount of information at this point. As fucking wild as this investigation had turned out to be, they tried their best to focus on the only thing they could, the search for Jolene. Her family, friends, the community, local law enforcement, the attorney general's office and the FBI utilized vehicles, ATVs, boats, canines, helicopters, airplanes, you name it. And they searched everywhere they possibly could. Dense woods, fields, ponds, etc. But not a single one of those searches seemed to lead them any closer to finding Jolene's body. It felt like they knew they had the right person, but they needed to find all the evidence they could to build a case. You know, since as of yet, Kimberly had only been charged with stealing Jolene's car. The sheriff spoke out and said that if he gave out all the details of what they know, they'd be shocked. And this community had already been thoroughly shook. So trying to imagine what could still shock them feels impossible. But rest assured, it was possible. Kimberly had her first day in court for the car theft charge on July 7th, 2018 and pled not guilty. Seems pretty stupid considering they had her on camera ditching the car, then on camera at the gas station, witness statements from the gas station, the cell phone record of her using the employee's phone to call a cab and the cab driver's witness statement. But hey, have at it. She was held on a $500,000 bond, so she wasn't going anywhere, and they flat out said that they expected more charges to be brought against her once the results came back from the umpteen things that were being tested at the crime lab. It wasn't until Kimberly's arraignment that News 4 Jax reports that Jolene's ex-boyfriend Jason was officially cleared as being a person of interest. Almost a week passed after Kimberly's arraignment with no new updates, which was odd when it came to this case. But in true fashion, on June 12th, one came and it was as wild as the rest of them. Russell Colburn reported that Kimberly had gone on a hunger strike, claiming that the jail she was at was trying to poison her. She refused to eat unless they moved her to another facility, so they did. And yes, we all just had the same reaction. Once at the new facility, Kimberly kept the only promise she had ever made and resumed her consumption of vittles. The searches for Jolene continued around the community. Her family wasn't going to stop until they could give her a proper burial and have a place to visit her, and law enforcement was going to do whatever they could to build their case against Kimberly. Just one month later, that search reached a seven day, 2,700 ton level. But exactly who was searching, where it was, and what they found is going to have to wait until next week. For all photos pertaining to this case, check out Jolene's highlight at the top of my Instagram profile at the Ashley, and join me there tonight at 8.30pm Eastern where you go live with me and we talk about today's episode and all other true crime cases on your mind. If you like your podcast ad-free, head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash bigmadtruecrime, or for just one whole dollar a month, your episodes are totally ad-free. If you need more episodes in your life, for just $5 a month, you get a bonus episode on the first Monday of every month. All your episodes are ad-free, and you'll also receive a forever discount code for all Big Mad True Crime merch. And of course, anytime you sign up, you get instant access to all previous bonus episodes. I'll be bringing you part two a week from today, and I cannot wait. But until then, we out.